if ever there was a story of grace, this would have to be it, right? The story of the prodigal son and the extravagantly generous father is such an amazing, beautiful illustration of God's wondrous love and amazing grace. Last week, my friend Leanne talked about that component of grace that John Wesley called provenient grace, that which goes before and that which prevents us from ever being too far away that we can't respond to God's calling us home. This week, we're going to look at justifying grace. One day, the younger son found himself far, far away from his father's home, wallowing in a pigsty, flat broke, and completely dispirited. I would guess he was experiencing that tugging on his heart that Grace Leanne talked about last week, urging him to give it up, to swallow his pride, and to return to the one who loved him with an unending love. Maybe he sensed his father's love reaching to him across those many miles, spanning those many mistakes he had made. Provenient grace calls him home. And so he turns around, changes direction, and heads back to the one who has loved him all along. Now this unbelievably loving father is watching and waiting for his son. You see, he's never given up hope never believed his son was too far gone. He runs to this returning one, kisses him, and calls for a celebration. The son can't imagine it. How can his father still love him after all he's done? Sure, he's sorry, he's repentant, but that doesn't warrant a party and fine clothes and a feast of food. I like to imagine that the son began to protest. No, father, no, I don't deserve this. You should send me out back. I deserve nothing more than the lowest of your servants. I treated you so badly. I messed up so terribly. A party is out of the question. Absolutely no. But I can also hear the father responding, Oh, son, I know life apart from me was less than wonderful for you. I know you must have sunk to new lows and done things that you are now ashamed of. But you need to put that behind you. You're home now. You've returned to me and to your rightful place here in the family, here at my table. Won't you wear my ring, eat my best beef, and let me throw you a party? Please, son, just say yes. Justifying grace, simply put, is just saying yes to the gift of love that God offers us. Now, I know that sounds like a very easy thing for us to do, but for some reason, we have a need to complicate things, do we not? We seem to think that God expects us to do all sorts of Christian hoop jumping. The truth is, all God wants is for us to just say yes. And with the help of God's justifying grace, we find we are someday able to do that. Now, I personally had trouble accepting the simplicity of the gospel simplicity of God's grace, and I suspect that many of you share similar stories. Because of who my parents were, because of who I was, I developed this distorted idea that if I wanted my parents to love me, I somehow had to be perfect. I had to make straight A's. I had to do everything right. I had to win their love, earn their love, somehow merit it, or it, wouldn't be, or it would be withheld and I would be found wanting. And then I took the next step, 
And I projected that kind of love onto God because I just kept messing up, kept being less than perfect. I was convinced that God would give up on me, would send me back to the pigsty, back to a life separated from God and the place at the table that had been set for me. The word grace signifies something that is given, even though it is completely unmerited and undeserved. For Christians, the word grace describes God's peculiar way of dealing with us, showering gifts upon us, not because of what we have done, but because of who God is. Frederick Buechner is one of my favorite theologians, and we've used this, I've told this story, this illustration before, but it bears repeating. He describes grace this way. Grace is something you can never get, but only be given. There's no way to earn it or deserve it or bring it about any more than you can deserve the taste of raspberries and cream or deserve good looks, good looks or bring about your own birth. A crucial eccentricity of the faith is the assertion that people are saved by grace alone. There's nothing you have to do. There's nothing you have to do. There's nothing you have to do. Grace, God's grace is freely offered to each of us. There's nothing we can or have to do to earn it. All we have to do is say yes. Just say yes. Yes to God's unconditional love. Yes to God's acceptance of us. Yes to a relationship with the one who created us. Justifying grace then is that moment that with God's help, we accept the relationship that God offers each of us. We sometimes refer to this as our conversion. It's that moment or moments when we accept for ourselves the relationship that God extends to us. It is when we come to understand that God accepts us just as we are, that God accepts our unacceptability, even if we can't. But as you know, that's not as easy as it sounds, is it? For me, I was able to accept it on one level in my head long before I was able to accept it in my heart and my gut. It took a very, very long time for me to be able to truly believe, to really get this amazing gift of grace and love that God gives each of us freely. Most of us, I guess, are rather uncomfortable with the idea of unconditional love. So we often try to create conditions in which we feel worthy of that love. The returning son hadn't groveled, hadn't begged, hadn't lived up to the image of one who should be celebrated with the party. But his father didn't ask anything of him, didn't require anything of him. He was simply elated that his son had returned to live in relationship with him. So many of us work so hard trying to earn God's love and mercy and forgiveness. But in the eyes of God, all of our striving is so unnecessary. It is as if we were trying to win something that is already ours. We are just to say yes to the gift that is so freely given, the gift of new life in Jesus the Christ. God is the driving force in this thing we call grace. Last week, Leanne mentioned the analogy of magnets. 
Think of God and God's love as a powerful magnet, and we are the smaller magnets. The large magnet is constantly drawing us toward it. Those magnetic forces surround us, pull us. That's provenient grace. We magnets simply have to turn around and be drawn into that powerful force. But you remember how magnets will repel until they line up property, right? properly. So our turning around, our lining up, that's justifying grace. Sort of like justifying or lining up the margins on a computer page. Once that accomplished, then the small magnet is drawn ever closer to the larger one until they eventually become attached and they're one and the same. That drawing near is sanctifying grace. We'll talk about that next week. So all we have to do in justifying grace, really, is say yes and turn around, line ourselves up, and begin to return to the one from whom we came. We have to open our hands and hearts to the gifts of love and relationship that God offers each of us. And God helps us make that response. God never forces us. We always have free will to choose. But God appeals to our intellect touches our emotions, loves us into that response. Our God is always inviting us home with open arms. To repent means to return, to go back home. Now some traditions see this turning, this conversion, if you will, as an all or once whole hog experience. But the Wesleyan tradition sees conversion more as a process. At any given time, we offer as much of ourselves as we understand to as much of God as we understand. And as we grow in our understanding of God and of ourselves, we turn more and more of ourselves over to God. Spiritual disciplines are means through which we grow in our understanding and ability to put on the heart and mind of God to follow the examples of Jesus the Christ. The, the, the disciplines of prayer, scripture reading, meditation, and Christian service allow God's grace to convert our will to God's will. One of the Desert Fathers, Abba Poman, said that scripture is to the heart as water is to stone. The water is soft, yet over time it gradually wears away the harder stone. God has given us the greatest gift we can ever imagine. And our job is simply to accept it and enjoy it. We are to reach out and take it. We are to turn around and head home. We are to say yes to the party that God is planning just for us. We are to enter into a relationship with the God who loves us just as we are and loves us enough to not let us stay that way. So with a ring on your finger and the taste of barbecue still on your tongue, praise God for the gift of amazing grace. Amen.